What is real? What is not real? And what is only acceptably real? Time is a social institution and not a physical reality. They ask Galileo, where is heaven? And Galileo looked, and we're still looking. And we see no heaven out there. And so science forces us to push back the boundaries of what we know, where we are in the scheme of things. If you look at how many other worlds there are, how many stars in the Milky Way galaxy, how likely it is that most of them not, likely not, most of them have planets, how many other galaxies there are, it seems the height of human arrogance to imagine that this planet is the only inhabited world. There's no equation out there that can give meaning to your life. You have to find meaning for yourself. The way I look at it is, it is the knowledge that I'm going to die that creates the focus that I bring to being alive. Hello, Joe. Hi, Jerry. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to our new podcast, which is called, and, and you know what the funny thing is, we came up with the name just 20 minutes ago, and I've already forgotten what it Literally is. Literally 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Acceptably real. Acceptably real. I keep on wanting to say beyond real or something. I mean, but it could be, but... No, no, no. Acceptably real is good because okay. it actually encompasses what we want to talk about over this series of episodes. Yeah. Um, we're talking about like Bigfoot, we're talking about Loch Ness Monster, we're talking about pirates, we're talking about what is reality, we're talking about anything. All right. And what is acceptably real? We could talk about particle physics, and boy, reality gets weird there too. And does it though? It really does. Is particle physics real? I mean, it could be. Let's. It's a. So it's, it's, real it's a model. People. It's a model. There you go. That's it's your, it's only a model. <laughs> what? I don't know, man. I, well, you, you wanted to talk about Bigfoot. I've got a way to segue us into that. Okay. I actually wrote a book. No. Well, I've about Bigfoot. I've, Sasquatch. Bigfoot and Sasquatch, Sasquatch plays a bit. Oh, God. The cats in here are making a lot of noise. So if you hear a lot of uh, strange noises in the I, background, it's not Bigfoot. No, nope. nope. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. It's two little, two little pawfoots. Um, wow, I've completely lost track. Oh, okay. So Segway you know, to Bigfoot. You wrote a book. I write. I write lots of books. Okay. okay. So, but I wrote this one book in particular, and some of the main characters in it are Sasquatch. Really. Yeah, but my take on it, and of course, this is a fantasy. Sure. And so I have to make up my own reality in it, and I want the reality to actually have an internal logic. Sasquatches in my book are actually intelligent creatures that evolved from bears, but are actually far, far more intelligent than we are. Really? And actually understand reality more than we do. And so are able to bend reality to their own will. And also, if you're out in the woods and you see a bear, half the time it could actually be a Sasquatch hiding from you in a bear form. Wow. That's far out. Man. <laughs> yes. I don't normally say the words far out, but that is far out. So there's, there's your Bigfoot segue okay. that you wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, Bigfoot is a mysterious character. Otherwise known as a Sasquatch, I think what you would call them is Sasquatch or... Sasquatch is if it's plural. Sasquatchy. Sasquatchy. Ooh, that's very good. Very <laughs> I don't good. know if that's really. I've what always, you call it I've always worried. More beer. Yeah, I've always, you know, growing up camping and being in the woods hiking. Oh yeah. You know, I've always been terrified about coming upon one. You know, I live in the middle of nowhere. I live in Iowa. So. I used to go looking for them in California. Well, do you, think, was, do you uh, think they're in California? It's more likely it's some homeless guy just like having a a I, binge or something. I know there's. I know. Well, you know. And, and the reason I, I based my book on on an area in Humboldt County, California. So that's Northern California, is that really right? Really up north. That's Sorry, got guys. more Bigfoot sightings up there than anywhere else in the world. But of course, that's also where they grew the most marijuana. Okay. And probably consumed the most marijuana. Sure. So, I, you know, causation doesn't 
I mean, co- correlation doesn't mean causation, but I would say that it's, uh, it's pretty... Um, correlation. You know, speaking about that... Yeah. Guys, random thought here, but you know the flying spaghetti monster, right? I've heard about it. Is, are you talking okay. is it that song or No. Is the what? Flying Spaghetti Monster. I'm sure our listeners have heard of it, Jerry. Mm. So the Flying Spaghetti Monster, there's something about the correlation or I gotta look this up, but it's like there is a correlation between the inverse amount of pirates on Earth and something else. Oh. But oh. that's where pirates come in for me. Uh, yeah, oh, I gotta look this up. Yeah, um, I think I know what you're talking about. There was uh, because because there are all, all these studies say, oh, oh, this must be causing that because look at the graph, and you know you could look at the graph of a thousand different things that are completely unrelated and yeah. they look the same. Doesn't mean that one caused the other, and so you can't really use correlation to represent causation. You just can't do it. And I, there's even medical doctors will will do that and and it pisses me off because then my girlfriend will start spouting this stuff to me that this is bad for you or that's bad for you because <laughs> look at the graphs and everything I'm like sure. there's there's no direct proof you know well you found something he's he's looking something up on his phone ladies guys. and gentlemen no i'm not that's not a phone it's a it's a google device <laughs> exactly so you see there's a significant inverse relationship between pirates and global temperature. Oh, that's it. I remember seeing that. I think global warming is more appropriate, but yeah. this thing right here says global temperature. Um, so the decline in the number of pirates over the years is the reason why global warming is going up. That's what they say about the <laughs> flying spaghetti monster. And I guess that's what they assert. Um, but that's something, you know... We really wanted to talk about, right? What pirates? Pirates. Pirates. Piracy. What? Okay, we're not these modern day people downloading music off of Google or five, eight years ago. Napster. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I downloaded do. a weird Al Yankovic song. I ran over the Taco Bell dog <laughs> in like in like twenty minutes on my fifty six k modem. <laughs> oh, my favorite one was Stairway to Gilligan's Island. What? Which I thought was a Weird Al, but it turns out it wasn't Weird Al. And it's so, a parody, though. Yeah. What they did was they sang the lyrics to Stairway to Gilligan's Island. No, sure. To Gilligan's Island theme. Uh, they sang the lyrics to the Gilligan's Island theme to the tune of Stairway to Heaven, and it oddly fit. Interesting. Yeah. But if I if I sing it for you now, I'll get sued. So. Are you sure you don't want to? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, might make someone smile. No. If not me, then someone else. Uh, I'll play it for you later. Thanks. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. Well, <laughs> well um, actually, he wants to talk about pirates because I told him a story. Yeah. Okay, guys, this is the most interesting story that I think I've ever heard in the past, I don't know, two or three months, maybe 10 years. I don't know. Um, So, Jerry, tell us a story. I mean, well, when I was a kid, my father, and and it's funny because I I had to write this down, and I wrote that down about 10 years ago, and now the details are so foggy, I have to go back and reference that. So it's a good thing I wrote it down, but about when I was, I think I was about 11 years old. And my father pulled me aside one morning um, and said, do you want to go hunting for pirate treasure? Or something like that. I I actually have the exact wordage in the article I wrote. How old was your dad at this time, may I ask? I would say he was around 50. Okay. He was older. Late late 40s, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it, he was under four, he was under fifty. Because I remember as a teenager, I used to give him crap about being fifty. And the funny thing is, is I'm fifty six right now, so my turn. <laughs> Kids give me crap. Anyway, so so uh, I'll condense the story. We had this large cabin cruiser that my dad basically raised me on, and it would it was just small enough. To fit on this big, huge trailer that he built himself, because he was also a welder, 
The guy okay. was like Indiana Jones. He did everything. Sure. And he used to be a bush pilot. He he repaired PT boats in the Navy on Pacific Islands. I mean, it's, he's got a whole bunch of stories that that I, I should really write down now that he's gone. But um, so, not? huh? Why not? You have time. You're a good writer, Jerry. I have other stories to tell, too, right. but I really, I should do that because, anyway. But you had this boat, and it I had was... had boat. We went to Mexico. Okay. Sia Cortez. So, how, how did you get to Mexico from where you were? And where were you at the time? We, we started out in Stockton, California. Okay. Drove all the way down Interstate 5, went through the border, then there was a border check, and the guard, or the border guard there decided... And I don't remember exactly. It was beyond the border where they stop you at the second stop. He decided he wanted to search the boat. Found my dad's gun. Okay. Which you weren't supposed to bring down there. Of course not. And I remember being scared to death because uh, and, and, and I was like asking my mom, are we going to be arrested? And and then at, at one point I saw him laughing and like they were starting joking around. My mom relaxed. And it turned out he'd slipped my slipped the guy some money. Okay. And said, "There's no way I'm going down here with my wife and kids without something to protect him." And the guard says, "I don't blame you. I wouldn't either." Right. So. Uh, Good job, Jerry's dad. Yeah. What's your dad's name, by the way? Henry Davis. Henry Davis. This Good job, Henry. Smart man. So we get to Mexico, and we go down. I th- we go past Hermosillo and to Guaymas, and launch the boat. It's a lot better if you read my story than me telling it. <laughs> no, no, I think this is fine. But um, actually, guys, I just read this story recently because this was after I had heard this story at a drunken night at a, at a red bar. lobster or it was something a red like lobster that. Bar. Um, and I was really fascinated by it. And, and he know, did a bunch of research, so he probably knows way more about it than I do. Maybe, now. but you know, I became so fascinated, in it, and I, I went home and I did some googling and. Um, Wikipedia ing trying to figure out a bunch of information that I could about this place, but you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna keep you guys waiting, so so well, you went down, your dad bribed the yeah. guy at the gate. And it was it's a really long trip to get from Guaymas down to this place where he thought the treasure was, and that sure. was um I think it's called El Pato Island. So this is or Isla Pato or something like that. Western Mexico, right? Yeah. Western Mexico on the coast. So Sea of Cortez area, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. But it was on the, it's on the mainland side, not the Baja side. Yes. But it's in the Sea of Cortez. And like, there's no gas stations down, or at least back then. This is the 70s. Cool. Yeah. Early 70s. Probably 70 or 71, I would say. And, um, Things back then were not like they are now, and there there wasn't a resort every ten miles, and it was wild territory. In fact, it was such wild territory that when we were going past Timoran Island, there were still Seri Indians out there with with nets and spears. And uh, unfortunately, my dad uh, th- he told me the story, and he called them Yaki Indians, and said they were cannibals, so we okay. had to watch out. Did you research that after? Did you I find researched out? That, okay. I, yeah, I had when I was writing the article about it. I decided I'd research it because I didn't want to like disparage anybody. Because up until that point, I was still convinced that they were cannibals. Wow! And it turns out they were never cannibals, and yeah. it wasn't even those Indians. But as a kid, that as of... a kid, I mean, and I'm wondering if he knew that, yeah. and he told me that to scare me, sure, and make it more of an adventure, or if he really believed it. But it turned out the Mexican government really did spread. Inf- misinformation about the Seri Indians. What did Not, they say exactly about them? Do you remember? That they're, they, they wanted them off that land and to try to vilify them, they spread all sorts of lies. Okay. And, and, and folks, I'm, I'm going from memory from, from me researching this a long time this ago. This is so all I, a fact. <laughs> Just kidding. Keep going, Jerry. <laughs> I, I may be getting some of this wrong. So, so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but so anyway, they were vilified, and, and, but they were always peaceful, and the, the, their term for themselves was the people. That, okay. was, that was their name of themselves. 
and they just considered the rest of the world an insane place and they wanted to stay away from it so they isolated themselves on this island and they just made you know their their living their livelihood just just like you know we would have 20,000 years ago basically so we go I, I remember going by there I used to have to ride up on the the um, bow of the boat and keep a sharp eye so we didn't run aground because at low tide it was extremely shallow in Jerry, between the island and the did, did you have binoculars or a telescope we had binoculars yeah did, did you use them at the bow of the boat when you were looking ahead no because I was looking straight down oh wow for for to keep us from running aground on like rocks and stuff wow, that's, well, that's smart I don't know. How, I really don't know how deep the Sea of Cortez can be at some point. Well, I mean, in between Timuron Island and okay. the mainland, depending on the tide, it could be extremely shallow or pretty deep. But there's okay. like 25 foot tide because of the way the water gets funneled through there. Mm-hmm. And in between tide changes, it looks like a river. It doesn't look like the ocean. Well, it looks re- like a raging river. There really isn't that much space between uh, Isle of Timuron. No, and it's it's. Uh, I think it's less Maybe. than a mile. Wow. So it's, it really is like a big river right there at that point, yeah. huh? Okay. And and it goes both ways. And, you know, it rushes both ways depending on the tide. And uh, we would sleep on the beach. Well, we wouldn't sleep on the beach. We'd anchor up on the beach. And I remember one morning um, we woke up and the boat was tilting kind of the side. And my dad jumped out and he started laughing because the tide had gone out so much that the boat was completely out of the water except right about he he had to go and dig a hole so he had to go and um (laughs) that's my fault i'm sorry it's okay they understand the sound of a beer bottle being open um well folks grab a beer sit down get next to the fire wrap up in a coat this is a great story (laughs) i mean i know we're only getting to the tip of it but sit on the beach yeah that'd be the best anyway um so he had to he had to dig um, a hole under the back of the boat to keep the propeller shaft from from bending under the weight of the boat. And oh geez, what other things happened there? Talk there was. Big, can we talk about how big this boat was? I want to give our listeners kind of an idea. In their heads. Picture this young young boy and his father and mother. Yeah. Uh, and and a, and a long haired chihuahua. It's about twenty five. 25 to 30 feet, depending on he it, the, it, it would depending on how drunk he was was how how big the boat was. <laughs> because if he was really drunk, he'd tell people it was 50 feet long, oh, and that it was a yacht. Boat, yeah. But yet it was small enough to put on a trailer, and I I think it was 25 feet. What kind of car were you were you driving from California? It was it was a 1964 Cadillac. What color was it? Do you remember? Yeah, it was bronze. Wow! And it had the fins and everything. So this was a smaller car. I mean, I mean, a bulky type car, but it, it wasn't, had a big wasn't high like these SUVs are now. Oh no, right? no, 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 no! This is like a lower to the ground car, and you had a whole boat behind you. You were towing. Yeah, but I mean, he's he was a master mechanic. That was another thing he did. Okay. And uh, so he would work on all the cars, and he would, you know, beef them up and everything. And this thing had the hell of an engine. That's why he liked it so much. Uh, even after he had a Mercedes or something else, he kept this car to tow the boat. Uh-huh. And, in fact, he would leave it. Um, it spent half the time living at either at an airport, because, you know, he had an airplane, too. And, or at a... Of course, Henry had a, an airplane. Yeah. Of course. He had a... He's had several. The last one was a Cessna 310. Okay. Smaller Cessna plane. Yeah. Twin engine. Really fast. Goes about 300 miles an hour or so. But, um, boy, I I really derailed. Well, that's okay. He had to dig a hole in order to keep the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then we had to prop the boat up to keep it from, because there was no way you're getting into the water at this point. The water kept on going out. Until the boat was a long ways away from the water. And it was just sitting there on the beach. And um, at low tide, you know, when it was really pretty shallow out there, uh, they, and, and the, at low tide, the, the current stopped, and they let me go paddling out on a... Jeez, what was it? I, I think it was just... Um, I can't remember if it was an inflatable boat or if it was my little aluminum boat. I can't remember if we had it back then. I have a feeling it was an inflatable raft because they freaked out when the sharks came by. Sharks? Yeah. 
Well, you know, you read the story. I know, I know, but <laughs> and but they you, were big. I, they I'm were bigger. This right now, I they imagine. were bigger than the than the dinghy I was wow. in. And I didn't know there were sharks at first because we, I would, you know, I was watching uh, porpoises swim alongside us all the way up there. And so I thought it was porpoises, and but they weren't doing this. They were just cruising. You can't see my hand. I'm making a straight, steady line. I'm I'm making the shark bites with her teeth <laughs> in her hand. Um, and then they swam right there by me, a pair of them. Mm-hmm. And they were huge and dark. And that's all I remember in my parents' how far, were, how far away were you from the beach? Do you were like 20, 30 feet? I was about 30 or 40 okay. feet. It wasn't far. They wouldn't let but me that was, far away. It was but, I mean, close it was, enough for them to see the fins. Oh, yeah. Right? Because they were huge. Wow. And, of course, I was small. So, to me, they're probably a lot bigger than they really were. But they were pretty big. So and you said you were about 10 or 11. I was about 11. Point, right? They could have eaten me. Wow. Easily. Uh-oh. And especially, and, and if it was an inflatable boat like I seem to remember it was, <laughs> but they just swam by. They weren't even interested. They just swam by. But my parents got really uh, frantic, and they called me back in, and so I was marooned on the on the shore. I was walking around, you know, kind of like in in like I would say water about four or five inches deep, safe from sharks. Sure. And I stepped on something, and this this I remember vividly. I stepped on something squishy, and then Uh-oh. it was like I'd stuck my toe in a in a 120 volt socket. And I just remember screaming and dancing around. I didn't know what the hell had happened, and I looked down enough to see something. It wasn't that big either. It was only like about the size of a a large waffle or a pizza. What? Yeah, a small pizza. Go fly, you're uh, swimming away. Stingray? It was uh, um, an electric um, electric ray. Wow. Of course, I didn't know that then. I had to go and research that later. Yeah. But I think my dad knew it was an electric ray because he was laughing at me. <laughs> he was laughing? <laughs> he was laughing at me. Oh, man. That's uh, actually pretty cool. So, okay. So, walk me... I think we maybe either missed something. I'm really interested at this point of the story as to why you're down here, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. We're, father, looking, we're looking for treasure. Okay. You're looking for treasure, but so you're, how, what do you mean you were looking for treasure? Like, that's well, not... I mean, to me, my my father wouldn't, you know, be like, hey, we're going to treasure. Like, did he have anything, like, for him to know that there was treasure You there? know, I don't remember the exact specifics, but, I mean, he had gold mines down there. He had timber holdings down there. Okay. He had friends down there. And somehow he'd gotten the idea in his head, and I don't know if it was because he had a map or what. I seem to remember him saying something about a map. But, but I also remember him saying that he had triangulated some known wrecks to one point where the pirates probably were, and he probably sure. knew about them coming from that one place. And um, so he had it in his mind that that the most logical place for them to have buried this treasure or to have the cache of treasure that reportedly have never been found. Wow. I don't know if you found that or not, but that's what he told me. Honestly, I was looking up a lot about this island, and the island, if I may, yeah, go ahead. is the island of Pedos, mm-hmm. right? Which is, uh, if you're looking, you know, if you go on Google Maps and you're, or Bing Maps, whatever it is, pick your poison. I don't care. So it's a tiny, tiny island off the coast of the island of Tiburon. Yeah, Tiburon's right? a big island. Yeah. This is like a pinpoint. Right. It's a pile of rocks with covered with bird poop, basically, right. is what it was. But it is off the coast of Mexico, mainland, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty easy to find. Um, there's a lot of, from my research, uh-huh. there's quite a few Spanish galleons that have sank there in the 17th century, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but go ahead and continue. Um, I was more curious about you know how your, your father, Henry, came to this assumption that there was treasure buried there well but, I, I don't really know it's well just a, that's could have been a number of things right yeah okay <laughs> that's pretty crazy i mean sure you know no, you i'm could, just saying careful with, with putting things on the table because yes um but but it could, have, could have been a number of things right could have yeah. been his gold mining friends it could have been anything really i and, and i wish he was around that i could ask him um 
You know, I've got recordings of him because he he told us like a bunch of his stories, but I think they're mainly like World War II stories. Yeah, well, those are still cool. And I've got them on on MP3 files on my computer because I'm supposed to be writing his uh, memoirs at some point. Um, but he was convinced that it was a, so. We were armed with a, a really expensive for that time um, um, metal detector. He was a detectorist. They <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, he never really went around with the thing. He just bought it for that trip. That's so cool. And I remember back then, you couldn't just put a, like a nine volt battery in it or put some D cells. It had some big weird battery with, and it wasn't even the kind that you'd put in the lamp with the screws on it. It was. Some strange thing. Maybe some of our listeners might know what that is. But he also, he used to, um, he had this thing called a scintillator, is what I think what? he called it. This is a completely different thing. But he, it, was, it would detect um, radiation from far distances. I remember it was this big silver thing, kind of looked like a gun with a, with a barrel on the side of it. It looked maybe like, like um, Flash Gordon... Death okay. ray. So it was like a Geiger counter. Yeah, it was like a super, a... a super Geiger counter. Okay. And he, what he'd do is he'd go flying over territory down there with that thing on, looking for hot spots, because apparently that would correlate somehow. And I don't know, it, maybe a geologist out there can tell me, but it would correlate somehow with gold deposits, because huh. that's what he was interested in, gold and platinum. Wow. So. Um, Anyway, we were down there looking for that, and uh, it was quite an adventure trying to get to the island. We never got to it because there are some, and I don't know if you found this stuff, but there's all sorts of strange phenomenon, especially around those islands. Um, due to the tides, there are big movie-like fantasy movie whirlpools that will swirl during certain tide wow. periods of tide. And, but the main thing is there is this thing called an upwelling where when the tide was going out, and I noticed actually, you know, in, my, in the article when I was rereading it, I got this backwards because the tide was, I think, well, I'd have to go look. I think the tide was actually going out and we were trying to ride the tide to oh, save okay. gas because sure. we only had a finite amount of gas. Well, there wasn't that many, there wasn't any gas. There was just nowhere else. Right? And so we had, you know, we had the gas that we had and it had to get us back. Wow. You know, and so several times, no, three times, no, two times we tried to get out there and either one time there had been a storm. And so the waves were insanely huge uh, outside of this, you know, this little strait between the island and the sure. mainland. And so we turned around and went back. And then the next time we went out there, I think it was the same thing. And the third time we went out there, and this was the last time we saw the whirlpools, and then we saw this really strange, it looked like a wave. Wow. But it wasn't moving. It was just this big hill. Dear listener, we're going to pause for a moment to allow space for a sponsor message, which may or may not show up depending on some mysterious algorithm. We'll be right back. Hey, Jerry here. As some of you may have guessed, part of my day job involves setting up and maintaining websites. Recently, I had a project where I needed to convert an older website to WordPress, and part of the challenge was choosing the perfect website hosting service. I did a lot of research, and I finally chose DreamHost. Not only is DreamHost widely recognized, but they're the number one recommended hosting service by WordPress themselves. And WordPress has their own web hosting service, but they still wholeheartedly endorse DreamHost. Well, since then, I discovered I like DreamHost so much that I moved all my personal websites to DreamHost, including the blog for this podcast. And it is my great pleasure to have DreamHost be an affiliate sponsor to this show, and we can offer you, our listeners, $50 off if you sign up using our link. Now, we chose them, they didn't choose us. We wanted them specifically as a sponsor. So, if you are wanting to set up a website or a blog, and especially if you want to use WordPress, the easiest and most trusted content management system out there, just go to acceptablyreal.com slash dreamhost and sign up. Once again, if you use our link, you'll end up with $50 off and you'll be helping our show. 
Remember that link, acceptablyreal.com slash dreamhost, and get your website up and running today. Okay, the space for a sponsor message has passed. And with that, we return to the show. Of water. Okay, okay, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> and it was called an upwelling. Wow. I'm going to say wow right now. So you're 11 years old. Your father I'm, comes and to I'm you. on the bow. <laughs> you're on the bow, and you're facing this huge upwelling right now. You're trying to get to this island that supposedly, from your father, says is full of tre- like has a treasure trove yeah, on yeah. it. Correct? Wow, that's insane. It was, you know, and the funny thing is, is I didn't realize I had a not normal childhood until much later. Well, I'm sorry, Jerry. <laughs> I mean, my my dad took me a lot of places, but he didn't. Take me looking for treasure, you know. It was um, I, did, I had a kind of a span. And another thing is, is I was supposed to be in school this whole time. They would just yank me out of school. Played hooky to look for treasure. Yeah. What a dad. He was like, oh, you're learning from the school of life, kid. It's a lot more than you're going to get from the goddamn school, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I channel my father and I'll say things like that and I'll mean them. And then I go, oh, that was dad talking. <laughs> yeah right. So I've been programmed. You were so, on, you were on the bow of this ship, this yeah. boat. I'm gonna Try, call it a ship because it sounds cool. Yeah, but it's it was so, a boat. It was, it was a, a boat. It was a wooden boat. A wooden uh, Trojan. Trojan was a brand. Okay, a boat cabin brand. cruiser. Was it white? It was white with uh, teak on the top. Okay, and a white top. In a blue awning over the back. I imagine your father had a name for the boat. Tika 2. Tika 2. Yeah. It was given by the original owners, Tim and Kathy. And they put them together Tika. to be Tika. Wow. And apparently it was the second one. So, I don't Whatever know. Happens. And the funny thing is, is later on I had these good friends, Tim and his wife Kathy. So, it was kind of funny. Anyway, so. Um, you were boat upwelling. Was, yeah. Heading toward the upwelling. Didn't know what the heck it was. My dad was kind of freaked, and he was like, oh, and he tried to edge up over it. Sure. But gravity kept pushing it back, and so you'd have to, you can't see my hands. I'm using my hands to gesture one going up a hill to the other one. And uh, eventually he just decided it was too freaky and turned around and decided, that's it. We're not wasting any more sure. gas on this. We we got to get back. We. You know, we've reached the halfway point. We got to make sure we get back. Right. And so we gave up at that point and went back. But it, only later, I was reading this book. There was this great book about the Sea of Cortez that actually talks about the the upwelling okay. and the and the whirlpools and stuff like that. And that's how I learned what that was. And what happened is the tide would come out so fast from that strait and hit something on the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. That would cause the tide to go upward instead sure. of a straight out, and that caused that wave. And it was apparently a normal thing. Wow. But my dad had never seen anything like that before, and we didn't know what it was. I think what's what's cool about this story is that it actually happened. Yeah, right? This yeah. isn't this isn't something you you know you're watching on a made for TV movie or a movie or reading about in a book has actually happened to you. Um, so there, I, we we had other adventures on that trip too, but nothing to do with pirates. Nothing to do with pirates. So yeah. why why pirates though? Is it because we think pirates buried some treasure on this island? Are are yeah. pirates? So I you know Jerry told me the story. We were drinking at a Red Lobster. Yeah. I swear to God, this happened, and I was like, wow. So I went home between then and now. And I was doing some research, and I was looking up different pirates at the time who would be, you know, in the Gulf of um, California, right, which is the Sea of Cortez, also known as. And I was really looking into different pirates who have been historically known mm-hmm. to, you know, sail upon this this specific uh, segment yeah. of sea, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, I learned that this was actually a trade route for the Manila galleons that would go between the Manila Philippines uh-huh. and what is now called Mexico. And they would sail up into the Sea of Cortez 
and they'd have all these different kind of trade items like spice, salt, you know, jewelry, gold, and stuff like that. So they would, the they would cross the whole Pacific Ocean. Correct. Okay. And I was, I was reading and it looks like that these were, that these were round trips. Like, you know, once they got the hang of sailing across the Pacific, they were like, oh, we could do this anytime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they'd go up here, they'd have this port at uh, Alcapulco or, you know, what is now Mexico. They had a port there and they would, you know, trade, turn around, go all the way back to Manila. So these were called the Manila, like Manila envelope, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. sounds like, uh-huh. uh, Manila trade ships. They're big Spanish galleons, you know, what you would think of, you know, pirates taking over, right? So back then in the 17th century, you would have to understand that you know, the English and Spanish, they weren't really the best of friends. No. Right? No. And so, you know, they would each hire these different people. Like, the English would hire their merchant ships, known as privateers, mm-hmm. right? Spanish would call them pirates. They were legal pirates, really, to the English. And um, these people would, you know, be hiding in this gulf, right? Be waiting for these huge Spanish galleons. Of these, all these awesome resources, and they just go attack them. They go plunder for yeah. treasure. Yeah. So, something they they don't teach in the parts of the Caribbean. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I've been to that ride several times, and they never told me that. I like that ride. It's pretty cool. It's my favorite ride. You see I, the I, pirates fighting and stuff. I, I remember that back before Johnny Depp had anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, so I was researching and I was, I was thinking about different people who could have, I guess, buried this treasure that Henry, uh, Jerry here, his father, could have been looking for. Yeah. You, know? um, you came I, up with some names, I came you? up with a few names. Uh, notably, Sir Thomas Cavendish, who is also known as the Great Explorer was a privateer, an English privateer to the Spanish, obviously. He was known as a pirate. Um, and also Francis Drake. Um, maybe one more, Woods Rogers, as some of you might be familiar with. Mm-hmm. What they would do is they would hide in these capes in the Gulf of California. Capes being kind of, I don't know, they kind of look like hooks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they would hide in these little hooks, like these stretches of land that would extend to the Gulf. Um, whereas when somebody, a Spanish galleon is, is um, trying to come up the Gulf a little bit, they wouldn't be able to see them right away unless they were, you know, turn around looking. And then by that time, it's you know, too late. it's too late. You know, these privateers would be already hot on their trail because they'd be coming out and hiding from these capes. That's probably where we were camping for the three days were before we, you know, we finally gave up and left. Wow. It was probably right there because he just, he came in until, I mean, the, the, the ocean. And I remember how insanely huge the waves were. And I'd never seen water like that before. And, but you'd come around this one stretch of land and then suddenly it's all glassy calm again. Sure. Makes sense that that's exactly what that was. What do you mean glassy calm? Are you talking about the way the water is? Yeah. Okay. Because well, once you got out of that that area of open water, where the and the, and the reason I, I I know that it was really rough is because they would get hurricanes down on the, on the at the mouth uh-huh. of the Gulf of Mexico and they called them chibascos. At least I think that's, chibascos. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a hot sauce. Yeah, like Tabasco. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And, and you know what? Um, and this is what my dad called it. I don't know if that's actually it. But that's what he said that uh, it was called in Mexico. And they were like small hurricanes. And they would... Like typhoons or something yeah, like that? Something like, okay. and, and, and all the power and everything would be funneled up between the mainland and Baja. And even if the storm didn't actually make it up there, mm-hmm. the waves would get concentrated and get higher and higher. And so... At times when there was a storm like 500 miles away, the water would get insanely rough, and it was it was scary rough. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I bet it's I bet it was, and you know what? I bet for these Spanish galleons, you know, these are huge 
huge ships for the time. These these weren't your average twenty five foot. No, boats. but these these bo- these waves were big enough to toss those things around. I bet yeah, the sea is no joke. Yeah, they have some huge waves out there. What I, what I definitely think is interesting though is that that these big galleons would come back and forth, back and forth, and that they do it under threat of piracy. Right? They would do it under threat that people could come out there and steal all these resources because they had a lot they were carrying from the Philippines and Asia, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you guys never got that far, huh? You guys kind of turned around and... No. Is it, was it one, one gallant attempt or was it, it a couple was, different times? And we, we tried... I remember it was twice that we tried and turned around simply because the ocean waves were just too big. Mm-hmm. And the third time... The ocean waves weren't big, but it was the upwelling that made them turn around. Okay. around. And then that's it. And wah, 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 no treasure. Well, not yet. <laughs> not yet, Jerry. I was reading somewhere that there's actually a, um, I don't know if it's a military, there's definitely an airfield on either island Tiburon or Pedos. It's probably a, a Tiburon. Yeah. And that they kept that there to kind of ward off people from approaching. And that made me wonder if maybe the military or the government had already found something in one of those islands. That's that's another thing that my dad was like. Because if you find treasure down there, at least this is what he told me when right. I was a kid. It belonged to the government. Sure. You, you couldn't even have any of it. Unless you didn't tell the government. Unless you didn't tell the government. <laughs> of and, course. And of course, he didn't plan on telling the government. Because mm. he was a bit of a scoundrel. Or he just wanted to help out his family, you know? No, he was a bit of a scoundrel. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. <laughs> Not disparaging him, but... That's crazy. I mean, was, that's a great story. Yeah. That's one of those stories that, you know, that holds up in a, bar, or a room full of people, you know? Um, thanks for sharing that. Well, you're welcome. And, and I hope that you guys enjoyed hearing it because, um, because I told it. And it, and, it is, and it is interesting, right? I mean, how many times do you actually get to hear a, a pirate story? A an al- an almost pirate story. Well, I'm going to call it a pirate story. Okay. <laughs> In my mind, there's treasure buried on the island of Pedos, and you just didn't make it. Well, uh, from what I've read later is the, uh, the that island with all the bird poop on it was a gold mine... Uh, in in the way that they actually went out and started collecting the gold, uh, the gold, the the bird poop, uh, because it was <laughs> it was amazingly good fertilizer. Wow! And they would sell the fertilizer, and it was, actually they would they would cut it, you know, with like regular soil, but all the all the nutrients and everything from the hundreds of years of bird poop wow. was uh, you know just an amazing thing and. And of course, they probably destroyed the the poor bird's nest because it was a you know a bird sanctuary pretty much, but unrecognized. I, I don't know the I don't know the full history of it at this point, but I do sure. know that I read that they had actually gone out there and started mining it, and some company owned it now. And so, if they were doing that, and they're like using bulldozers to scoop all this up. You know, someone found a treasure. Someone sure Sarah. did. In a way. Even, even if it wasn't the bull, bird poop. Well, underneath all that bird poop, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe there's something there. You know? Yeah. That's it's interesting. Another thing that happened on that trip, and it actually wasn't in that, I don't think it was in the version of the story that you read, um, days later, and I'm not going to tell the thing about waking up, finding out that we'd, you know, I'd, I'd missed the big adventure of my dad diving over the the sea in the middle of the night with a knife in his mouth to cut the Sounds rope awesome, and so. Well, um, I was because I slept through the whole thing. I can't really tell okay, the tale. Okay, okay. But um, that very same uh, storm had apparently driven a huge grouper up into the into the bay, and uh, I was a little eleven year old kid, and I was at the dock, and I was jumping over and diving with a mask and everything, and I go under the dock. And I come face to face with what I thought was a boulder. And then the boulder opens its mouth 
and eyes look at me, and I realize it's a fish big enough to swallow my head. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was amazing. And I remember I, I just, I, like, shot straight up out of the water and was standing on the dock. And I don't even know how I got it. was like, and I'm standing there. And I'm like, oh, my God, look. And all the, the Mexican kids were all got all excited. They were calling the parents over. And the fish apparently decided that, oh, this is way too much attention. And he started swimming away. And it was like this giant black shadow wow. right under the water surface just swimming off out to sea again and what a feast it was immense wow that was pretty cool that sounds awesome yeah. so so you you guys didn't make it to the treasure no so you guys just drove home come back to oh no there was other things that happened we had to be down there for a month and wow so he was this is dragging the story on way too long sure but uh i'll, I'll tell you and then we'll probably cut it out but there was uh he was pulling the, the. It was like the day we're leaving. He decides he's he, you know, uses the uh, the Cadillac to put the the trailer down on the water. We get the boat on it, and he starts pulling it out, and something breaks on the Cadillac. Bam! Cadillac's down for the count. So we're stuck. And uh, so we, you know, put the boat back in the water. We have to have someone tow the car away. And he's a mechanic. He could fix it himself. But he couldn't get the part. So we no. had to send away for the part. So we stayed in this hotel for, God, it was a couple of weeks while we were waiting for the part to come in so he could fix the car. And um, and I, I had the time of my life. I didn't have to go to school. Uh, so, you know, it was it was probably in January. Cause oh, wow. it was, so this is like right at the beginning of like the quarter, right? Yeah. And, After break, and um, and and I remember it's, it's warm and wonderful, and I'm like, you know, it's like summer down there, and back up in California is still frozen, and yeah. you know, so I'm having the time of my life, and there's this girl, and I remember we I'd be sitting at the restaurant every night and be looking over, and there was this beautiful girl about my age. And her and I kept like stealing glances at each other, but you know, not. And my dad kept on going, "Go talk to her. Go talk to her." Like, no, I'm not gonna, I can't. Eleven-year-old Jerry. Was yeah, I was. Oh, I was smitten with this kid, this girl, and um, so I remember at one point I was out wandering on the beach, and then I saw her, and she's all by herself, and she sees me, but we're like ignoring each other and of keeping her distance. Of course. But at one point she start and she starts screaming. And I go running over there, and it's like this little tiny crab, and she's screaming at the crab. And I, I run up, and I'm going, oh, it's it's just, it's not going to hurt you. You want to pick it up? I show it to her. And uh, she goes, oh, okay. And then she just turns and starts walking away. And I remember I went, wait a minute. You're not getting away from me this easy. And I actually said that to her. And oh I just I, you know, I said, I'm like, and from that point on, we were like inseparable friends. That's awesome. Though. It was so cute. And then, and then, of course, we had to go home, and we were both crying. She was hiding. Where was she hiding? She was hiding in our, our uh, hotel room, oh. you know, and she was, like, not wanting me to leave and all that kind of fun stuff. It's cute. It was cute. It's a good story. Uh, I think that's a good one to end it on. Yep. 11-year-old love. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was a... Uh... Yeah, I hope it was a good good first episode. Uh, we won't be talking about pirates every time. No. What are the things you want to talk about next time? About anything. You talk about Bigfoot. I love Bigfoot. That's a that's going to be a long episode or multiple parts. Though. All right, we could talk about Bigfoot because um, that's my favorite. You know, monster. I'm going to call him a monster. It's probably not nice for you know Bigfoot to hear monster, but yeah, he's probably listening now. He probably hates me. <laughs> this guy's a dick. Because you know they out there in the woods they have iPods and stuff. They might. Yeah, you might from have all the, the campers. Yeah, from the camper that he scares away. Yeah. That's how he gets his cool techno yeah. stuff. Their food, peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, potato chips. Potato chips, maybe fish. Beer. Oh, what is it? Beef jerky. <laughs> Beef jerky and tobacco. Yeah. Beef jerky and tobacco is what he loves. They love. 
Not just one. There's multiple. Oh, okay. The bear, the bear Sasquatch. Yeah. Yep, that's right. You just want to talk about the Loch Ness Monster and stuff like that, too? Sure. We can talk about Loch Ness Monster. We can talk about ghosts. We can talk about conspiracies. We can talk we about... We can talk about a lot of ghost stuff. In fact, we could have someone, a guest on. Oh, I like guests. Tracy. Tracy. Tra- you know Tracy. Oh, I know Tracy. She's, she's, got, she's got some ghost stories that, that I could corroborate. Wow. That are interesting. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I believe in ghosts at night, and I don't believe in ghosts during the day. It's kind of this weird thing with me. But uh, I've had some things happen at her house. Back when she had the farmhouse mm-hmm. that they swore up and down was haunted. I can't explain. I can't. We'll one, of them, one of them was, and we'll, I might as well go into it here a little bit, give everybody a taste of the kind of things we do want to talk about. Um. We were sitting at a table just like we are now, okay. right? But there's a stairway going up. We're the only two in the house. No kids in the house. Just us. And there's a dog that's at our feet. And okay. we hear very clear, loud, squeaking footsteps going up the stairs. Right in front of us. And we both look at each other like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? <laughs> that was pretty freaky. I'm sure that was acceptably real to you and Tracy. <laughs> it was acceptably real. Do, 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 do. Thank you for joining us on our first podcast episode. I Bye, guys. You, I hope you tune in again. Please. Now the ships are ground on the shore of this uncharted A skipper to a millionaire and his wife, the movie star, oh, and the rest. Well, they're here on Gilligan's Thank you for joining us here on Acceptably Real Podcast. You can find our website at acceptablyreal.com where you'll find links to our Facebook page. You can leave comments there or on the website. And look for us on iTunes and your other favorite podcast networks. Take care. Bye. And they're here